Hello and welcome back from the summer. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom. Today we are focusing on the speculation around the possible normalization deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And to discuss this topic, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Najat Al Said. For introduction, Dr. Al Sayed is a Saudi academic and author and analyst based in the Gulf, focusing on the Gulf and Middle East issues. She is currently the professor at the American University in the Emirates. She's also a columnist for both the Al-Itihad and Arab News. And since the signing of the Abraham Accords, she has also appeared as an analyst on Israeli media. She also has a UK connection when she gained her PhD from the University of Westminster. And finally, we are both proud members of the Israel Gulf Policy Forum. Najat, welcome back to the Bicom podcast. Uh, thank you so much for this uh, great introduction, Richard. And uh, I'm really glad to have this opportunity to, to, go, to discuss such a very important topic like this. Absolutely. Thank you. So let's, let's dive right in. We've seen a great deal of, of speculation over this grand bargain, the triangular deal between the U.S., and bringing together Israel and the Saudis to normalize relations. Just last week, we heard the uh, the United States National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, confirm that they are on the pathway to normalization, although he did insist that there was no yet term of deals, not yet ready to be signed, but a broad agreement on many elements. So perhaps we can start, and just, I can ask you from a perspective from the Gulf, you know, in Israel, we're very excited about the prospects of this deal. But how is it being perceived inside Saudi Arabia and the wider Gulf? Well, uh, we we hear and we see a lot of uh, this uh, coming in the media. And it has been, uh, lastly, so intensive to the maximum uh, extent. I see it and a lot also, a lot of observant and analysts see it. Um, if that was the intention from the U.S. administration, why they haven't planned for it from the very beginning? Why it just mm. came out of a sudden? Because to any analyst, when uh, when he or she looks at it, it, it seems like as if it is like they want the, the administration wants to gain something before the election. Because if that uh, if that was uh, under uh, their plan uh, from the very beginning, why they wasted the time uh, with the attacking Saudi Arabia and the Crown Prince, and also um, like emphasizing on the nuclear uh, deal with Iran and uh, all of that, and putting everybody under uh, their toes? Uh, they should have started that from the very beginning. However. The possibility of a grand bargain or tri triangular deal between the U.S., Israel, and Saudi Arabia for normalization uh, of relations has been uh, a topic of speculation. While some experts believe that such a deal is possible, um, others see significant obstacle uh, to its realization. Why it is ob an obstacle? Because if these obstacles uh, were actually looked at from the very beginning, it, we won't be reaching it to that extent because it is not an uh, easy, uh, not easy obstacles. Uh, so um, I believe the two first years of the administration has been a, uh, a waste uh, of time if that was their uh, intended goal. So the, let me hear 
uh, go and and focus on on the obstacles mainly. Some experts believe that a grand bargain is possible, given uh, shared interests of the U.S., Israel, and Saudi Arabia encountering Iran's influence in the region. So that's uh, mm. uh, the abstract idea that it will be win-win situation to everybody, and uh, and that's uh, th- that's why I was shocked by the U.S. Uh, the Biden administration reaction. I was expecting uh, or. Uh, I was hoping, uh, in other words, that they will continue what the Trump administration has done and continue uh, the Abraham Accords uh, agreements uh, with other countries, especially with a big country and influential country like Saudi Arabia. But what happened is the opposite. Because Saudi Arabia uh, is different than the other countries that made the peace agreements, whether the Abraham Accord countries uh, or the, uh, the countries that made the peace agreements before, like Egypt and Jordan. So here, uh, in such a deal, Saudi uh, Arabia would face riskier set of calculation in normalizing relation with Israel than its its Gulf Cooperation Council allies. Uh, The United Arab Emirates and Bahrain due to its position as the beholder of the two holy mosques. So the fact that Saudi Arabia is the beholder of the two holy mosques, that makes uh, makes the situation much more uh, difficult and more complicated than uh, UAE and Bahrain, because UAE and Bahrain, they will just look at themselves and what are the interests of their countries. However, Saudi Arabia will look at the interests of its country, of course, I'm not denying that, but also it has to maintain its image among not only the Arab world, but among the whole uh, Muslim world. And by image here, I'm, I'm, uh, it's just only a symbol. It's more than image. It's basically it's le- legitimacy because it's a huge, a huge responsibility. So uh, if let's say that Saudi Arabia made the deal. So Saudi Arabia's adversaries, such as Iran and its network of armed militias group groups in neighboring Arab countries, led by Hezbollah in Lebanon or Salafis, jihadist groups like Al-Qaeda and the and the Islamic states in Iraq and the Levant, and also uh, a lot of people, normal people that do not belong to these militias, also ha- share the same kind of uh, oppositions, opposition idea, or, or opposed opinions about the normalization or the peace agreements, would likely take maximum advantage of the ensuring populist dismay among some Arab uh, and, uh, and Muslims. Due to these reasons, uh, it has to show its own people and to the whole Muslim nation that it didn't go for such a deal without a big price. That's why that the price uh, that the, the Saudis are asking for is much more than UAE and uh, and Bahrain because the burden that they have is hundred times much more. So here they have re- uh, regional and local price. The regional price is that any normalization with Israel must uh, include concessions to the Palestinians, which are, as we know, the two-state solution, limiting settlement activity, or committing not to annex any additional occupied Palestinian land. But we have to think such steps may be extremely difficult for the United States and Saudi Arabia to secure from the current Israeli government. Mm -hmm. The other local price is a treaty between Saudi Arabia and the United States for, uh, for normalization with Israel would require massive U.S. weapons transfers and enhanced mutual security agreement, 
and American support for a civilian, a civilian nuclear program, because also the, the Saudi government wants to show its, uh, its, its people, look, I'm doing this deal, and, uh, and there are Definitely, there will be people who are opposing this deal for for political and religious reasons. But look what our country has gained. Okay, so that's why mm -hmm. they are asking for this, these prices. It's not only for greedy purposes, but also also to calm down the regional uh, the the outrage. We have to admit that there will be an outrage. If there was an outrage against UAE after this uh, this uh, agreement so you double it by hundreds if the, if the if Saudi Arabia has done it and so the, the Saudis know that very well and they must think about it fantastic thank you and just to kind of to gauge an idea of kind of how this plays within the uh, the internal Saudi calculations um, how how high is this on their list of uh, of policy priorities they see it it's very they know the benefit for it it's mm -hmm. it's not uh like they don't know or they, they don't know the the benefit for it especially from a business perspective and from security perspective they know it very well but also on the other hand um they want to uh, uh they they want to uh, also see the other part the challenges that i talked to you about so uh, yes, it is highly, highly. Uh, it is in, in their high, highest agenda. Yes, uh, I'm not saying because because they know what what the what are the rewards. Um, let me put it in other words. If Saudi Arabia's situation was like the other uh, Arab countries, let's say like UAE or Bahrain or like uh, uh, Oman, okay, it could have it could have done it from, uh, the first country in the Gulf. Right. But the fact of its religious purposes. Uh, religious uh, situation status, and also because um, also political status, it it has uh, it has put it in this situation. Uh, so uh, uh, they want, but also they have to think about uh, the the outrage that I told you about. I, I what I see, Richard, that mm. a lot of uh, Westerners are undermining this kind of uh, of outrage. Uh, let us go back to history. When uh, when the Khomeini revolution happened, okay, when nobody can imagine that this revolution, the impact of this revolution on Saudi Arabia. This revolution and the, and the 1979 revolution that happened in Iran, it turned the lives of, of, of the Saudis upside down. People were living normally. Uh, everything was normal there. Uh, like uh, you can see uh, what all the changes that has been done recently in Saudi Arabia, it actually was there back in the 70s, early 70s. But when when uh, when the Khomeini came and he started to attack Saudi Arabia that you are you don't deserve to uh, to behold the two holy mosques and you're too westernized and you are puppets to the Westerners and look how your country is. It's too open. To you're not virtuous enough. And then came Jihman al Atabi uh, attack on Saudi on the on the on Al Kaaba on the Holy Grand Mosque. So with the, with the regional pressure and the local pressure, look what happened. Four decades under a very very ultra conservative and ultra religious uh, system that turned the country to that to that position. So, so here we don't want 
uh, the, uh, we don't want such an excellent deal that can be a win-win situation to everybody. Uh, they don't want to rush in onto that decision. And instead of going to a beneficial re reward, it will actually go to uh, an op opposite uh, direction. So that's why they keep saying, if you go and trace what they are uh, saying, give us time, give us time. L why give us time? Because look, the Vision 2030 has just implemented right now. A lot of people are against the openness that is happening in Saudi Arabia because they were brainwashed for four decades. So imagine if you just tell them now we want to go and normalize with Israel. And some of them think, you know, are totally against it. So, uh, you know, step by step. Uh, and uh, and if we, if we, you analyze the result of the Abraham Accords currently, you see, you see the results are excellent from business wise. But if you analyze the Abraham Accords of what is happening right now, okay, uh, regard, related to the people-to-people -people peace, it is still, uh, to me, it didn't match expectation. It is under mm. expectation. So if this is happening in a country like UAE, that most of the people are not into it, it is it, uh, to me, I see it, it's, it's returning back to box number one, P uh, government to government relationship. Yes, the business normalization is more than excellent. But when you go to the people, it's it's not it didn't meet the, the expectation. So if this is happening in a country like like UAE that uh, that established the tolerance and coexistence, and you see the Abrahamic house, and you see synagogues, and you see churches, like a uh, long time ago. And now it is even more. And still you see resistance from the people. And the people, who are they? They don't compare their numbers comparing to the Saudi population. And so imagine a country that has been under such a rigid system for four decades. They're not, we don't, until now, is there a church in Saudi Arabia? Is there a synagogue in Saudi Arabia? People are refusing having a synagogue. How we can make a deal with Israel? So all of this has to be counted. That's why... I am one of those who who are like were like pro this, but also I have to think about the consequences of rushing in. Okay, so what they are doing currently, the, the is 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 really good to to make it subtly, and then and until they uh, they change the society gradually, because if there's still people against the entertainments and the and the innocent uh, openness right now so it's uh we have to question so i believe there that they need to make a lot of studies and uh, to test the people's mindset before they go that because here public opinion is very important unless they want to keep it under the table for business uh normalization uh so this is uh we have to study the situation as a whole so but uh, in general Everybody in in, uh, in in Saudi Arabia in senior position can see the benefits of this normalization, especially when it comes to business, security, and technology. Okay, well, at least there's some uh, there's some positive news. But your but your what I'm hearing is that you think that the deadline of the Biden administration that kind of basically needs to get this deal done in the next six months before they go to the election may not be a realistic uh, time frame. 
Yes, and I um also let us I just put for you the obstacles regarding the Saudi side, but let us see the obstacles also. Let us discuss the obstacles regarding the American side. Uh, we see now this uh, this um, the American politics is not like before. Uh, before, uh, okay, we know that there were always like this kind of competition between the Republicans and the Democrats, but they were not kind of that divided, especially between the right, left, and the and the uh, and the uh, and the left wing. Okay, so here the biggest challenge that that uh, that will face the United States in such a uh, in such a deal. Uh, because um, because the Saudis um, are asking for mutual security, they are asking for a civilian nuclear uh, a program in order to make this deal. They, that's what they are asking the Americans. Uh, so here are we, uh, we have to discuss: Are the, those Congress uh, men are going to accept something like this? Uh, do they? Because we we know that the, both the the left and the of uh, the right harbor strong uh, neo isolationists impulses they don't want to, uh, uh, and they might uh, forbid or uh, such uh, such a deal like that they might uh, be against it also many of biden's fellow democrats harbor deep resentment toward the saudis for numerous uh, human rights abuses according to what they are saying most notably right. the murder of uh, the washington post columnist that we they kept talking about so here they're talking, so they might say you are like here accepting uh, like a country with this human rights abuses and they they start to. Uh, so uh, can the Biden uh, administration uh, convince those we are here in, uh, in an open country? So and they're like it is now divided, especially in, in the, its foreign policy. So are they uh, is is the Biden ad administration aware of that, and they can convince those opponents uh, to to make such uh, such those deals? Uh, because uh, because um, the Saudis are asking, um, according to the leaks of the media, and we haven't heard that from a Saudi official, but according to the leaks of the media, this is what they are asking for. So uh, to what extent? The Biden administration can convince those, those opponents, especially the Biden administration itself was so aggressive and uh, and was attacking the the Saudis from the very beginning. So now, how they can convince those people that no, now we are want to uh, reconcile and we want to make a deal, and th these are the, the what the requirements? Because if they, as I said, if they were. Uh, following this from the very beginning, their convincing might be much more probable, uh, probable. But the fact they were so attacking in the very beginning, and now suddenly they're changing, uh, that yeah. might uh, they they might face some kind of uh, uh, opposition that uh, some analysts are saying. Sure, I hear you. If I can just ask you back to kind of one of the uh, potential obstacles. From, on the Saudi side, we discussed the, the civilian nuclear program. One of the issues I understand it is there, the, the current Saudi insistence that they would be able to enrich uranium on their own soil, as opposed to the arrangement that the UAE reached to have it enriched elsewhere and just then power the, uh, the power stations. How much is that, from a Saudi's perspective, a, uh, a deal breaker, do you think? 
Well, the issue of uh, Saudi civilian nuclear power and their desire to enrich their own uranium has been a continuous issue. And uh, especially with what other countries in the in the region uh, are doing, like Iran. Enrichment capabilities can be a sensitive topic due to concerns about nuclear uh, 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 proliferation uh, in the region. Whether this is a deal breaker or not would depend on the negotiations and the willingness of Saudi Arabia to accept international safeguards. And I believe they will abide by these uh, international laws and restrictions to ensure that their nuclear uh, program remains peaceful in nature. Because uh, definitely uh, the, Saudis, uh, the, the Saudis nuclear program is gonna be peaceful, but uh, def and definitely the international arena wants to investigate to make sure. And uh, there's no, uh, I believe there won't be a problem because uh, you, it will be a problem if the other part has fishy, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, intention. But if they are straightforward, and I believe the Saudis are straightforward in this matter, why they will, um, uh, why they will confront the international safeguards? Uh, the U.S. and other countries may insist on strict monitoring and controls to prevent the uh, the proliferation of nuclear weapons. And uh, the outcome of negotiations on this matter would play a significant role in determining the feasibility of a deal. So I don't think that will be a problem if it is under international uh, like monitoring. That's that's uh, that, that's reassuring. Um, just as a kind of we mentioned it before about kind of the overarching uh, Israeli-Saudi interest in preventing Iran. But what's the current status, would you say, of Saudi Arabia and the other Gulf states towards Iran? We saw the rapprochement earlier this year orchestrated by the Chinese. Do they see them still as a threat or is there a preference to build trust and improve relations? Um the Gulf, um, the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia's current posture towards Iran is to build uh, trust now and improve mm. relations. Okay. Uh, in recent years, there have been efforts to de-escalate tensions and engage in dialogue with Iran. Uh, for example, Saudi Arabia and Iran have held several rounds of talks in Iraq since April 2021. And the GCC has expressed its willing, willing, uh, willingness uh, to engage in dialogue with Iran. Let us not forget, when the Biden administration came, they said, we want to apply the maximum diplomacy. Okay? So accordingly, uh, the, 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 this is ring a bell to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the countries neighboring Iran. Because mm -hmm. when, they saw, when they, they say we want to go from maximum pr pressure to maximum diplomacy, that means that they are criticizing that Trump's uh, uh, administration uh, maximum pressure up on Iran, and they want something on the opposite. Accordingly, that's what they have done. And the, the GCC countries in general always have, you know, I'm not saying good relations with Iran, but they try to avoid its problem by uh, by maximum pressure because they are small countries and they know if they use a hard maximum pressure, it might fire back. Saudi Arabia is different. Saudi Arabia, because it's a bigger country, it was confronting Iran. But because they so uh, they didn't see such confrontation, it's rewardable. Uh, on the other hand, 
uh, they didn't see that uh, the the U.S. administration was actually supportive to them. They they felt that they, they are like confronting Iran by themselves. So accordingly, they said, since we are losing uh, economically and politically, okay, nobody is around us, so we have to make a deal. And especially, mm -hmm. especially what uh, what encouraged Saudi Arabia to do that is the Yemen war. They know, they want to stop it. And they know they will never be able to stop it without a deal with Iran. So accordingly, they made this uh, agreement to deal and the, the mediator was China. So that was the whole thing. Yeah, so, and, and now, uh, so now they are under the stage of uh, improving relations and de-escalation. And is it the sense from the, in the Gulf that the, the U.S. are also prepared to do a deal with Iran? Do you think that's also part of the uh, the conversations going on behind the scenes? Yeah, that was actually from the very beginning, because um, the U.S., uh, the Biden administration was appeasing Iran from the very beginning. It was uh, everybody noticed since the Biden administration came, it will be another copy of the Obama administration. So mm -hmm. uh, so most of the Gulf countries put this in mind. And everybody has uh, has its own strategy. Uh, strategy. Uh, so that's why they have to change their strategy against Iran. Uh, it's, uh, so the deal, whether they say that they're going to make, uh, make it or they didn't say it, they know that this administration is going to follow the same footstep of the Obama administration, which is basically making deals with Iran and appeasing Iran. So they got the message. Even from uh, before uh, the uh, before President Biden was in the Oval Office, they got the message, and they were like working towards that. Thank you. Just one final question: You mentioned kind of the advantages are understood for a potential deal of normalization with Israel over trade and uh, and security. On the security line, um, from last year, this was the outgoing Israeli government that had the Rainbow Coalition, and they and they created the Negev Forum kind of out of the Abraham Accords, they spoke about a regional defense architecture um, between Israel and the moderate Gulf states to basically build a, co a collective defense against Iran. Do you think this notion is still relevant or because of the uh, the, the, uh, the movement towards Iran that they no longer need Israel for that in that sense? Well, let us say um, that the, 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 this agreement with Iran is very recent. So the idea of a regional defense architecture for Israel and the moderate Gulf states to defend collectively against against Iran is still relevant, because you know you, we couldn't say that the this de-escalation against Iran and even the deal that is happening between Saudi Arabia and Iran is one hundred percent successful. We mm -hmm. haven't seen the consequences yet. Uh, you have they have to prove uh, all uh, their uh, their saying by action. What is their action? So uh, regarding their uh, their interference in Lebanon, in Iraq, in, the, in Yemen, in Syria, so uh, and uh, their funding of um, uh, armed militias and um, and other uh, uh, their their actions of destabilizing the the region. So here, the Negev Forum, a group of Israeli and Gulf security uh, experts, proposed this idea in 2022 as a way to counter uh, Iran's uh, growing in influence in the region. 
the, the, the proposal includes a joint military exercises, intelligence, intelligence sharing, and the, the, the development of missile defense system. Uh, since uh, they are now in the, this de-escalation de um, uh, stage, and at the same time they are testing, they might go for the intelligence uh, sharing. Uh, more uh, emphasize on the intelligence sharing more than the military and the m missile defense. Uh, uh, this is how I see it. Uh, so, uh, so it is still relevant. It's not completely one hundred percent vanished. Right, and then the, presumably the benefit of that intelligence cooperation, and we can only speculate how much of it is already happening. But it doesn't necessarily rely on open normalization because the nature of these things mean that it can happen kind of under the surface and behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. But sooner or, or later, and especially after we see um, uh, like the result of the G20 summit that we saw, uh, this yes. kind of, uh, you, you know, um, you know, trail that is going to connect Asia with the with the uh, with Europe and uh, uh, with Europe and India. So um, so it is it is normalization in a, in a right. way. But uh, but uh, uh, my, the, the concern is how to present it to the public. The governments all know the benefits of it, but uh, but here, um, how you want to present it? As uh, you know, do you want to present it uh, outspokenly? It is uh, it is uh, it is like a normal complete normalization, or you want to keep it underneath the surface uh, for a bit, and then you announce it when uh, the right time comes. Uh, but definitely, look, the the cooperation is still there, uh, open. Uh, so. Uh, so, but uh, the the it is important to to uh, to uh, to think strategically how I'm gonna announce it to the public, as uh, step by step, and maybe the, the these kind of leakings to the media it's happening by purpose, to to prepare the public, and instead of just uh, saying it, uh, or you know they could have been quiet. The media could have been confidential about uh, about that, but you, uh, you, we can we can assume that these leaks are happening intentionally to prepare uh, intentionally. Why? Because they want to prepare the public, so when time comes for it, they won't be completely shocked. Mm -hmm. They will take it, and they will, uh, and they must know that that the benefit that that will be beneficial uh, for their own countries. Uh, the problem with the media, it's not showing at all what kind of benefits, for example, like the Abraham Accords countries have gained out of that. If, they, if the media show more about these kind of results uh, to the public in, in, in different languages, English, Arabic, mainly in Arabic, uh, the people might know, oh, look, those people are, this is really re rewardable. So why we didn't do it? But the people, what do they see? Only conflicts between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and they say they say they see Palestinians are killed, and you know the the same image. Nothing has changed uh, in the media. The uh, politically, especially from business pers uh, perspective and economic perspective, is is booming up, and the media is like the media in the eighties and the sixties. Nothing had changed. <laughs> So this is, uh, if you want to change public opinion, you have to start with the media, number one, and the educational system, number two. And none of those two factors are changing. 
unfortunately, unfortunately, most of the faculty members are still having the old mentality. They're not, uh, they're, they're not reaching up uh, with the current issues. Okay, they still have old mind. And I'm talking here from from experience. Right. Uh, so that's what I see. People like me couldn't talk openly, and I'm not worried about the uh, the the students at all. I I can have my way with the students. My problem is with the faculty members, and the same mentality is in the media. They still have most of the people who work in the media still have the old mentality. Okay, that's why you see all, all the same scenes. So we need. That's why I keep writing most of the time. Media alliances, media alliances, uh, more cooperation in the educational system. Because if the, if the public opinion is so important to you, you have to work on two uh, on those two factors. Uh, other than that, the governments know very well the benefits uh, to the countries. But uh, what's the point? The governments know about it. So we will go back to box number one, like what happened in Egypt and Jordan, and it will return to call peace and government to government peace. We don't want to keep repeating the same mistakes all over again and again. Because to me, if it is not a complete people to people peace and people travel to you and you travel to them and you, and you uh, share your identity openly, this is not normalization. This is underneath business, and it's happening uh, actually ages ago. Nothing new. But right. the new thing is this open, open re relations, diplomatic relations between people, not only governments. We know that governments are dealing with each other years ago. Nothing new. But uh, the new thing is how to prepare the public, how it's, so they know the benefits of it. That's, that's what should be learned. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Jack, thank you very much. I know we can continue, but I think we should call it call an end there. And hopefully, there'll be room for us to talk again in the future and uh, and to update and see how these things progress. But for today, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you. Thank you.